Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning, and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this thing. So, when you're assembled and I am with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all, meaning the people of this world, who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. We get a lot of our theology on uh, what's known as excommunication from this chapter. And so we get this. uh, What's taking place here is that there's a man who has been sleeping with, we assume, his stepmother, having uh, sexual intimacy with his stepmother, uh, his father's wife. And the church there apparently was not only tolerating it, somehow they were proud of their uh, liberal acceptance of this sexual sin. And so Paul writes in verse 1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even the pagans don't tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud about it. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of the fellowship the man who has been doing this. Now, this putting the the man out of fellowship, Paul goes on to explain it a little further in a minute, but he says you've got to remove the offender from among you, and it's for his good and for the protection of the body of Christ. In other words, this guy, his sin needs to be pointed out to him, not condoned, not continually affirmed, but by putting him out of the fellowship, you're pointing out that his sin is unacceptable. And there's that aspect of it. The the offender needs to become aware that he's doing something that is not tolerated by the Lord. This sexual immorality is not only a sin issue, it's not something the church is willing to condone, nor will they tolerate it. And so for his good, he's to be uh, put out of the fellowship, 
and for the protection of the body, because he goes on to talk about a little yeast leavening the whole batch of dough. And of course, he's talking about the yeast of sin. When you begin to accept sin into your fellowship as being normal and acceptable, then that leavens uh, the fellowship or the church or the, the Christian group with a permeation of, of sin, small at first, but it grows. So we have this term, excommunication, and I'm sure that most of you who are listening are aware of the term excommunication. And what it literally means is to refuse someone holy communion. And so the church had the uh, mandate from Scripture to refuse uh, fellowship with someone who was an obvious, intentional, unrepentant, deliberate sin. This term became known as excommunication, when you would refuse them uh, the cup of Holy Communion, fellowship with other believers, with the cup of the Lord, the table of the Lord, and fellowship with the Lord himself. And so when someone was put out of the fellowship, he was so-called an excommunicant, which is one who is no longer able to receive Holy Communion. And the twofold purpose of excommunication was to point out the man's or the woman's sin situation and to protect the body from this leaven of sin permeating the body. So it was a twofold purpose, but it was always intended to be toward the redemption of the person, not for the destruction of the person. In other words, you were not just quarantining the body of Christ and relegating that person to total destruction. You were separating them and, and in a way, delivering them from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of darkness, so that they would come to their senses and repent. This was the intent. And so Paul in verse 5 says, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Now, this idea of handing him over to Satan, there was a concept in Judaism similar to excommunication, where if you were no longer allowed to enter into the temple or into the synagogue, You had been denied access ultimately to God, to the God of heaven, and to the the sacrificial system, the law of Moses. You had been denied all of that. So to put someone out of the synagogue was a concept familiar in Judaism. And Paul refers this to turning someone over to the devil. Of course, the devil is outside of the camp. The camp of the Lord is within, and the protection of the Lord is within. And to turn someone over to the devil means to put them out of the camp of the Lord, out of the fellowship with the Lord. He goes on to talk about them boasting about accepting this sexual sin. He says that they are proud about it in verse 2, that they should have gone into mourning. And then in verse 6, he says, your boasting is not good. And so apparently these people were actually boasting about their acceptance for this sexual sin. Now, you can point to whatever you like in our generation with sexual sins. There's a myriad of them. Of course, um, adultery, fornication, pornography homosexuality, these things biblically are sexual sins, and boasting about accepting them is not a godly thing to do. Paul refers to acceptance of sexual sin as a little leaven that leavens the whole batch of dough. And he says in verse 7, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Now, you may remember that John the Baptist saw Jesus and referred to him as the Lamb of God. Here, 
Paul refers to Jesus as Christ, our Passover lamb, who has been sacrificed. Indeed, all four Gospels record the same setting for the crucifixion of Christ. It was during the Feast of Passover. He was crucified, uh, dead, buried, raised from the dead during the Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread. So Paul is making that connection there in, in calling Christ, our Passover lamb, who has been sacrificed. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He's continuing this idea of leavening uh, being something that represents sin. And so in, the, in Judaism, of course, they had uh, the continuous festival of Passover, including unleavened bread, involved searching your home for any leavening in the house that you had to put out of your house during this festival as a representative example of putting sin out of your life, that we were to examine our homes to see if leavening had come in, and in so doing, we were to examine our lives to see if sin had crept in. So Paul is, is tying this conceptually, this idea of, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover in Judaism with Jesus Christ and uh, leaven, the leaven of sin creeping into our lives as exemplified by the acceptance of this man sleeping with his father's wife. Paul goes on in verse 9 to refer to a letter that we no longer have. In verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my former letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So apparently the letter that we now call 1 Corinthians was not indeed his first letter to the Corinthians, but the uh, letter that he wrote prior to this is either no longer existent or it was incorporated into what we have as 1 Corinthians. But even in that other letter, he says that he wrote that they were not to associate with sexually immoral people. And Paul has to explain, he's not talking about worldly people, he's talking about so-called Christian people. Verse 10, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. So Paul is not saying that we should stop associating with lost people who are continuing in their sin. He's saying we shouldn't associate with Christian people who are continuing unrepentant in their sin because in a way we're condoning sin in the church. And put it in different words, Lost people are supposed to be sinners. They're lost. They don't have the same standards that Christians are supposed to have. But as Christians, sexual sins are unacceptable. Verse 11, But now I'm writing to you, you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, or an idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard, or a swindler. He gives a, a short list. And he goes on to say, we're not even to eat with such people. And so we're not to judge those who are outside of the church, but we need to have standards within the church. And when those that are within the church are in uh, blatant, unrepentant sin, and people are aware of the sin, we're to put the wicked person out from among us so that they might come to their senses and repent. This, in church discipline, has become uh, known as excommunication. But it always needs to be done with an eye toward restoring the person when they repent. There needs to be a way back home. And as we get into 2 Corinthians, Paul will actually talk about restoring the person that's being addressed in this chapter 5. So I want to pray, Lord, I just pray that the church would be intolerant of sin within the fellowship and would be um, not tolerant, 
but understanding of people that don't have Christian standards that are outside of the church. Lord, we're not to leave those that are outside of the church undefended and unloved and uh, not interact with them. But Lord, we're not to condone their sin, but we're not to condemn it either. They're lost. But Lord, within the church, may we raise up a standard that you approve of. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.